give God one more hand clap of praise. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to church on tonight. Welcome to World Changers Church Houston. We're glad that you made it on tonight. Are you ready to be blessed by the word? I said, are you ready to be blessed by the word? Amen. Well, go ahead and grab your seats, buckle up, and get ready. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 11. We're going to kind of pick up where we left off, but then um, begin to move into some new places uh, based on uh, where the Holy Spirit's leading. And uh, I'm glad that you came out on tonight for us to experiment, it's not the right word, but to, to discover some new things together in the word, amen? I get to try things out on the Wednesday night crowd that I might not be able as much just to break out on the Sunday crowd because you know they may not always be ready. So I get to try it out on y'all and we, we can refine it and perfect it uh, with that crowd. So we've been talking about the fact that we are the what? Yeah, we are the righteous. Now what does it mean to be right? Uh, a righteous, it means to be in right standing with God. Okay, being righteous or the righteousness of God simply means Jesus and his sacrifice made me right with God. Uh, here on the board is what we've been talking about, the fact that what God did for us is his love provided grace, who is Jesus, who sacrificed his life, and because he was a worthy sacrifice, his blood purchased us, redeemed us, and in effect made us right with God. Our sins were forgiven. We are free from the power and the penalty of sin because of the blood of Jesus. If you agree with that, say amen. So this was all what they did for us. There is nothing for us to do in that process. It's not by our works. It was simply God reconciling man to himself. If you understand that, say amen. So my job and your job is to believe or have faith in what he did. So when I say I'm having faith in Jesus, I'm saying I am, I'm having faith in numbers one through four that because of God's love, he sent Jesus, and as a result, because of his sacrifice, I'm forgiven. I believe in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's, that's John 3, 16 right there. If you, if you see that, say amen. So when I believe that, I am made right with God or I am the righteousness of God. Amen? Now, like we said before, we've all been taught in church. Uh, well, at some point in time, many of us were taught in church <clears throat> that somehow in this process, we had to do something or act right or behave right uh, to become worthy or to stay worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that we have nothing to do with this part of the process. If we did, because of man's sin nature, we'd probably mess it up. Amen? Amen. So... Once I am saved, which is this entire process right here, once I am saved, 
What I'm supposed to do as a believer is then begin to do something other than try to stay saved. Now for 30-something, not 30-something, for 20-something years or so, I was saved, but then trying to keep my salvation. I was stuck at number four. And number four, even though I believed in the love of God, I believed that by grace I was saved, even though I didn't really understand grace. I believed Jesus sacrificed, and I believed he forgave my sins, but I thought as soon as I messed up, my sins had to be forgiven again. And again. And again and again and again. But for that to be true, that would mean that every time we sin, the sacrifice has to take place again. And that's just not what the word says. It says he sacrificed and gave himself once and for all. Everybody say once and for all. So when I read that and understood that, I then realized that I am forgiven not by anything I can do, but I am forgiven by what he did. So once I am saved and I'm made right with God, I don't need to spend time trying to stay saved. I'm saved. Say that with me. Say, I'm saved. What I need to be focused on is now that I'm saved, Lord, I want to honor you with my life. So what is your will for me? And the word of God is full of what God's will is. Now, in order for me to know his will, according to Romans 12, where was it? Romans 12 what? Verse 1 or 2. I'm asking, what, verse 1 or 2? Yeah, verse 2. Thank you, thank you. So we do quizzes as we go. <laughs> Romans 12, 2, it says that who transforms us? God. God transforms us. And after the transformation, it says we can then know his will. Let me show you that real quick. We'll come back to Hebrews. Go with me to Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2, uh, you can leave it in there. I think you can leave it in Amplified, and I think we'll look at it in New Living. Um, go one slide back from that. Yeah, it says, do not be conformed to this world. Actually, let's read it together. Ready, read. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs but be transformed, pause, what does that word, word transformer mean? Transform mean. Okay, that movie Transformer when Optimus Prime is driving and he's a truck and then when he wants to turn our robot, he, he does what? Yeah, so he becomes something else, right? Yes, yeah, so it says, but be ye transformed or come something else or change, how do I change? Is it by me doing something? It says, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitudes. Now, let's look at this. I think it's in the uh, New Living Translation. Just switch over uh, to that, that version real quick. Because I read this for years, and I was like, okay, I guess I got to go study the words more. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to, you know, make sure I'm just really resisting sin and things like that. But it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let who? Let God, all of a sudden, I see where the responsibility is placed for my transformation. 
The responsibility for your transformation and my transformation is not necessarily on us. It's on us to yield ourselves to God. But he has the power. A good way to look at this is, you know how a plant outside, once it's planted in the ground and then it's watered and all that type of stuff, there's a process of growth that happens that's not that plant's responsibility. That plant just has to be a plant. It just is a plant. And through God's creative process and power, that thing grows. But somebody said, oh, that's science. Who do you think created science? It's through his, I don't know how the plant grows, but the plant grows. I don't know how the sun comes out and goes around the world every single day and do, does all to do. I don't know how that, how that came about and everything like that. I know my creator did it, and it just does what it does. God transforms us. Now, it says, don't copy the baby of customers world, but let God transform you into a new person. So that's very interesting because I got saved. I was forgiven. I believed. I became righteous, but I still have that old person trying to hang out in there until there's a transformation. Many people wonder, how can I be saved and still want to sin so much? So they assume they're a sinner. No, you can't be a sinner and saved at the same time. You can sin and be saved, but you are not a sinner. Your title is no longer sinner, you are righteous. The reason why you may still want to sin is because you have not let God transform you. You see that key word, let? That denotes a willingness to let go and, cliche, let God. <laughs> that, that, that means I am not going to humble or submit myself to him and whatever he wants to do. It is, when you say let, that has, that's a word that denotes choice. So many people have gotten saved, but they haven't let God yet. And if I don't let God, I won't be changed into this new person. I may want to be a new person, but I got to let God. I can't let the church or anybody else tell me that you need to do this and you need to do that. No, what the church should be saying is let God. Oh, stop cussing. Let God. Oh, stop drinking. Let God. Oh, stop being homosexual. Let God, oh, stop smoking weed. Let God, your behavior will change when you let God transform you. Transform you into a new person. Now, here's how he does it. By changing the way you think. If you want to change your life, you have to let God change the way you think about things. Now, let me be very specific for that. The root of all sin is unbelief. If I don't think God's going to perform his word, then I will sin. I will make choices to try to take care of that thing by myself. A, a simple example is, is I don't think God can provide for my family, so I may go out and cheat on my taxes or steal. Amen? Don't, don't, amen don't mean you did it, but amen. <laughs> I just want to make sure you understand the example. Y'all were like... So because I don't believe him, I'll, I'll make a choice without him. 
And choosing to do anything without God most likely is going to place you right in a place that is not his will. Most likely. And, and so when I make a choice to say, Lord, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to trust your word on this thing. You said you supply my needs according to your riches and glory. So I'm going to wait for you and I'm going to sit down and allow you to move. Now, allowing him to move may be him telling you to do something, but the point is, is you're being led now by him in his way. You're changing the way you think about that thing because you're choosing to trust his word. So when I choose to trust God's word, I know the transformation in my thinking is starting to happen. But if I choose to not trust his word, then I will remain the old person. Does that make sense? So there's two, there's two trust things that you got to do. You have to trust this, that he loves you enough, that he forgave you, and that what Jesus did was enough. But now I have to trust you with my life to lead me and guide me daily. Are you seeing that? And this is where many believers, see what we got here, my part. This is where many believers are struggling today. Because what you hear many people say is, I can't hear his voice. But Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger should not follow. We read tons of scriptures where it says the Holy Spirit, who is the voice of God, is on the inside of us. So why is it we can't hear his voice? I submit to you today that it could be that we are our own voices or that we're hearing the voice of another. You're hearing voices. Maybe that's what I should have titled this message, hearing voices. <laughs> You're hearing voices, but is it the voice of the Lord? Because he's going to change the way you think to line up with believe my word. And what's his word? I love you. Through my son, I've saved you. And all is well. That's the gospel. All is well. Not by what you did, but by what Jesus did. And if all is well with me because of what Jesus did, if Jesus finished his work, I don't have to worry about anything in life. I will give you a big long list of what those anythings mean, but take anything you're worrying about when you walked in this room, you don't need to worry about that because Jesus has taken care of it all. Yeah, but you don't realize what, what I just saw in my bank account, carnal. You don't realize what I just heard of them say about me at work, carnal. You don't realize how my body feels, carnal. Carnality just means living by the senses. And when you live by the senses, you don't trust the voice of God. Your brain says, your mind says, I believe what I see, touch, feel, uh, sorry, uh, feel, taste, uh, hear, I believe that more than God's word. And so when you believe those carnal things or those worldly things more than when you believe what God says, you end up staying in the old state. Don't copy the behaviors and the custom of this world. Don't be carnal. Don't be carnal. But let God transform you from a carnal way to a spiritual way. He will change the way you think. Let's keep going. Then, once your thinking has changed, then is a time word. So that thing that we just read has to happen first. Then you will what? What's that word? You will what? You will learn to know what? 
God's will for you. Anybody still seeking God's will in some areas? Let him transform the way you think. Because the promise is, it says, then you will, not you might, you will learn after he transforms your thinking, after you become spiritual, after you start seeing things the way he sees them, after you start hearing things the way he said them, you will learn his will for your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. His will for your life is so amazing, it takes spiritual ears to hear him. His will for your life is so amazing, it takes spiritual eyes to see it. Because if you look at him with your carnal eyes, it won't be enough. When you see that house he has for you, when you see those vehicles he has for you, when you see that spouse he has for you, when you see that ministry he has for you, when you see that business he has for you, you can't take it with carnality. You gotta see it in the spiritual. It's too big for carnal. Your carnal man would say, I don't need all that. No, you don't, but his kingdom does. So he wants to get it into your hands because he's going to be able to trust you as a steward with his power and his anointing and his stuff. So, so to stay carnal in your thinking or to not be in belief, you, you will constantly find yourself missing the transformation and therefore not being able to learn his will. Now, don't sit up there and beat yourself up if you're in the process of learning his will. I love the fact that that word learning, or in another translation it says knowing his will, learn to know his will. That means it may take a little time. It's a process. When you learn something, do you learn it in immediately necessarily? Mm -mm. may take a little time. How many of you guys are in the learning process right now? So you're learning to know God's will. You're learning to identify his will. Oh, that's not your will because that doesn't line up with your word. That is your will. I know his will. Not just I know it because I know it's deposited. I know it because I can recognize it. I, I can hear his voice and, and, and I can see his hand moving and that's his will because that lines up with his word. And then it says, you will know, you will learn to know God's will for you. How do I know it's his will? It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. I wish I had more time just to stop and just teach on the good and the pleasing and the perfect will. But that's how, that's how I know it. It's always going to be good, it's always going to be pleasing, and it's always going to be perfect. So never be afraid of his will. I said never be afraid of his will. Do you know some people run from the will of God because they're afraid, because they see where they are and they see where that will is and they say, how in the world am I, am, am, is little old me going to do that? Well, little old you got big old him on the inside of you and you were never designed to do that on your own. It's supposed to be impossible because it's not possible without him. It's supposed to be, require grace. Because if it didn't require grace, if it didn't require his favor, if it didn't require his ability, then it would be too small. All of God's will will always need him. If it's his will, it's going to need him. If it's your will, it's just going to need you. So look for the big things. Be on the lookout for the big blessing. 
Be on the lookout for the big promotion. Be on the lookout for the impossible in your life because I think when you see the impossible, you're beginning to witness the will of God about to run you down. So I, I get to know his will after he transformed my mind and then good works can begin to be produced from my life which is known as the Holy Spirit producing his love or his fruit out of me that'll now be a blessing to others. If you understand that, say amen. Now, let's get to tonight's message. <laughs> so, once I know his will, once I'm producing this fruit, or once I know his will, I need to now know how do I continue in this. Because, again, back in the day, it was like you had to kind of um, figure out how you're going to get refueled in this process of living the life as a Christian. And as I was studying, I began to look at this, and I was like, oh, that's easy. You know, I get to know his will. He transformed my mind. Good works can be produced, and my fruit goes and blesses others. And then what I'm going to do is in order to stay in, in, in tune with God, I'm just going to go and sit at the feet of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit said, really? I said, yeah. Just going to sit at the feet of Jesus. Ain't that what I'm supposed to do? Just sit at the feet of Jesus and take in all the goodness and the wisdom and the glory. He said, really? Show me that in the Word. I was like, oh, sure. You know, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. I said, and then the guy who had the demon cast out, he's at the feet of Jesus. And I said, and Jairus, he lay prostrate at the feet of Jesus. And then he said, go read those scriptures, and I want you to come read them with me. Let's start out with Luke 8, 35. Luke 8, 35. Now I want y'all to get ready for some radical statements. Amen? I promise you this is not a cult. I have not lost my mind. <laughs> but I will be most likely kicking over some religious pillars today. Amen? Uh, is that what I said? Okay, I guess we'll start there. Uh, it says, people rushed out to see what had happened. This is after, uh, right after he cast the demon out of the guy. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. Keep going. And they saw the man who had been freed, everybody say freed, freed, freed from the demons. He was doing what? He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Okay? Let's go to Luke 8, 41. And we're just going to walk through this, okay? And you're going to see what I'm... What I'm what I'm saying when we get to where we're going. It says, then a man, man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and did what? Fell at the feet of Jesus. Now that word fall there means he, he actually laid prostrate. Uh, the guy who was, got the demon cast out, that word sitting there, it meant another thing. He was literally sitting in place. But Jairus actually laid down and prostrate uh, almost as a way, uh, like we do when we worship or whatever like that, but it's when you're needing something, you know, from God and you're worshiping him and you will lay prostrate in that sense. Jairus laid prostrate at his feet or at that 
English definition sitting at his feet, pleading, everybody say pleading. pleading, pleading with him to come home with him. Let's read verse 42 real quick. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying, and Jesus went with him, and he was surrounded by crowds. And we all know the story. Uh, he went there, and eventually the young girl was raised up from the dead. Uh, amen? Amen. Let's keep going. Um, another example is Luke 10, 39. Luke 10, 39. It says, his sister Mary, uh, actually, let's go back a little bit. Uh, go to, I think it's 30, we started 35. It says, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, go to 36. I think it's after this. 37 and 38. And Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Verse 39. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. So you got a guy sitting at Jesus' feet who just got a demon cast out of him. You got Jairus being prostrate at Jesus' feet who needed Jesus to come do something. And then you have Mary, uh, yeah, Mary sitting at Jesus' feet needing to be, uh, receive uh, teaching from him. Uh, keep going. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came uh, to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Verse 41. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Pretty powerful scripture, right? Now, all three of these scriptures show our deliverer, our healer, our savior, and even Jesus as teacher. And in no way, shape, form, or fashion am I saying that's not important. In no way, shape, form, or fashion am I not saying that that's important. But let me read something to you that I wrote down. Man, in these scriptures, was at the feet of Jesus when they needed deliverance and direction because we had no other way to be near his voice and receive what was needed from him. They were all doing the needful thing because he was the only way and still is if you're a sinner. But now, we who are believers have the way in us and are beneficiaries of all that he is and all that he has done. Because he is in us and we are now seated with him in the presence of God, we have the same Holy Spirit present in us that was in him. That Holy Spirit directs us towards the will of God and empowers us to do his work just like Jesus did. We still receive from God, but now in a new way, 
that was not available until after the cross. Let me calm down. <laughs> Go with me to Psalms 110, verse 1. Psalms 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand, which is also known as the place of power, until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Go to Ephesians 2, 4, and we'll go up to verse 9. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us what? He gave us life. When? When he raised Christ from the dead. So I got life when the sacrifice was completed and he was raised from the dead. Keep going. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. But once we were raised from the dead along with Christ, he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united, keep going, with Christ Jesus. Verse 7. So God can point to us in all future ages as example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. Verse 8. God saved you by his grace when? When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. But as you saw, when we were saved, when we were saved, what happened was, we went from the cross to the seat. And while I appreciate the cross, because we wouldn't be here without it, the today believer is no longer on the cross because Jesus ain't there. We're united with him. He used to be here. But now he's here. And we are united with him. To try to stay on the cross would be a mistake because we can't go there in the first place, amen? Because your blood wasn't enough to do that. Put my cross back. <laughs> we're seated with him, but did it say we were at his feet? Because I just read you a scripture in the Old Testament, who's at the feet of Jesus? Psalms 110. Who's at the feet of Jesus? Go back to Psalms 110 real quick, because I want you to see this. 
Psalms 110. What do we say? 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them your footstool. I'm a friend of God. I'm not an enemy of God. I got to make up my mind. Am I going to be at the feet or at the seat? Because I am seated in heavenly places with him. Now, you might be sitting there saying, Archie, come on now. I want to be at the feet of Jesus. You, why are you taking this from me, man? You don't took everything else. Are you taking now my feet of Jesus' time away? Why? Because if I allow you to stay at his feet, number one, you're going to be in the wrong position. That's for his enemies in that sense. If you're going to stay at his feet, that's for the people who need to be delivered. That's for the people who need demons casted out. That's for the people who need a revelation of him. That's for the people who need to be saved. All those examples I just gave you, those are people who still needed him. Mary was doing the needful thing because Mary wasn't saved. Jairus was doing the needful thing because Jairus wasn't saved. Uh, who else was it? The demon dude, he was doing the needful thing because he wasn't saved. We are saved. We are saved. The feet is for the sinners, but the seats are for sons. And you got to make up your mind whether you're a son. Because sons sit in the seat of power with Jesus. Come on, somebody. And so we got we to gotta let these little Christian cliches go because they'll keep you trapped and beneath the privilege of what God has for you. I'm trying to go to God. I'm trying to go to Jesus and get him to do something we've already done. Do you realize that to say I'm at the feet of Jesus like these other people were is to say that his work is not done? I'm at his feet still trying to get something from him. He said, it is finished. You got my healing. You got my power. You got my position. I've given you everything you need. So to say I'm going to Jesus for something else says what he did is not enough. That there's still work for him to do. That's what he was doing with Jairus. That's what he was doing with Mary. That's what he was doing with the dude that had legion on the inside of him. His work wasn't done. He was the only way those people were going to get what they needed. The woman with the issue of blood, that was the only way he was going to, she was going to get what she needed. But now, when he went on the cross, he gave us access as the righteousness of God to all that he had. And now, that Christ is in you, you are united with him, and you're seated in heavenly places. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, and we're going to go up to verse 7. Let me build your faith on this. Hebrews 4, verse 3, it says, For only we who believe can enter into his rest. That's starting to make a little bit more sense now. You can hear everything I'm saying, Sarah. I don't care what you're saying, Archie. I, I still need. Well, then you won't enter into his rest. You won't be able to rest your mind on the truth of Jesus has done it all. You'll still be trying to go back to the cross. You'll still be trying to go back to the feet to get the cross and the feet to do something they've already done. He gave you his mind. He gave you his power. He gave you his ability. There's nothing left for Jesus to give to you. He is now your advocate. But the rest is on us and the Holy Ghost. 
For only we who believe can enter into his rest. As for the others, God said. Let's keep going. Y'all got the rest? Okay. In my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures which mentions the seventh day, talking about when Jesus, oh, sorry, when God took his rest. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Now check this out. If God ain't working, and Jesus did his work, then that means everything concerning me is all right. God, please help me. I did. God, please help me. You are. I never saw again in the word where it said God start working again. He's starting to create, I don't know, healing for you right now. You were healed. You were delivered. It's all settled. Everybody's sitting down but you. Find your seat. You have a position of power. You have a position of privilege. You have a position of rest that is waiting for you. Verse 5. But the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. <clears throat> so God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news, this is good news, ain't it? They failed to enter because they disobeyed. He's talking about the children of Israel. They heard about the promised land, but they failed to enter because they disobeyed. Well, what's, what's the root of all disobedience or all sin? Unbelief. I, I, don't, I don't believe what God is saying. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but get your big butt out the way and believe what God is saying. Uh, verse 7. So God said another time. Somebody say another time. Another time for entering into his rest through Jesus, and that time is today. You are in the rest today. You ought to be resting today. Now, we've learned that rest doesn't mean inactivity. God could be telling you to do this. He could be telling you to do that. But you're rested in believing whatever he says. We're back to Romans 12 too. I'll know his will because I'm going to trust his transformation power. I'm going to trust his word. And so his will is going to be good, pleasing, and perfect to me. I'm resting in what he tells me to do. I'm resting in what he tells me not to do. I'm resting that all is well. Why? Because I'm united with Jesus and I just simply can't fail. That's the truth. That's the gospel. That's the word. So believers have a rest. And this is not something, again, that we saw in Ephesians 2, this is not something you got to earn. This is not something you got to work for. All this that I'm describing to you is a gift to you because of your loving Father God. And because your big brother Jesus made it available by his blood. You have a seat. It's time for you to sit in it. It's like I just went to, the, um, uh, to Detroit a couple of weeks ago and um, 
I got this uh, ticket and upgrading the first class was only like 100 bucks. So I was like, ooh, I'm gonna upgrade the first class. And it was neat because going and coming, I was real tired. And so, you know, a lot of times, it takes a long time to get through security and everything like that. And I had my little ticket on my phone and, you know, I came in and there was a choice in the security lines. Uh, you could either go through the first class line or you could go through the other line. And I fooled around and went through the wrong line the first time. Even though I had a seat and a ticket that said I had a seat in first class, I went through the regular class and it was like a long line. You had to take off your shoes. You had to do all this stuff. It was, they, they actually pulled me aside for special check and all this type of stuff, and they started going through all my stuff. And I was like, God, dog, you know, even though I had this seat, I got in the wrong line. And so I didn't get the benefits of my good seat. So how many times know I learned for the second time around? I looked at my ticket. 2A. I looked for the United Gold Premier. That's my line. That ain't my line. Sorry, y'all should have got your ticket. And I went because of my seat through a line or a place of privilege. And I didn't have to go through what everybody else went through. I had benefits because of this seat. And then I walked to the gate after getting through security in about 30 seconds. Glory to God. That's, that's the good news right there. And then I sat down as I awaited the plane and then they began to talk about we were about to board. And you saw everybody hopping up. But I wasn't worried, because I had a good seat. And so when they called for the premier first class people, I stood up and I walked past everybody else. <laughs> to the front of the line, and I got on the plane first. And guess what I did when I got on that plane? I didn't stand up. I sat down in my seat because it had been purchased and because I was tired. <laughs> you need to sit in your seat. You've been working way too hard. That's why you're so tired. He said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. Why am I going to take your yoke, Jesus? Because I've already won. Taking on the burden of Jesus is simply taking on the victory. He said, I've overcome the world. He said, and then learn of me. For I am meek and lowly at heart, and you find rest unto your soul. You walking around in here tired, I'm depressed, I'm this, that, and the other. Rest. You feeling all that because you're working and you haven't taken your proper position in him. Yeah. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So sinners are people who don't have Jesus on the inside. Those are people who do absolutely need to spend time at his feet because that's where they'll get to know him. Those are people who show enough need to go to the cross. But you and I as believers We've already been there. Can I say something? Really radical. Is Jesus physically here on earth? But he used to be. 
But now that he is physically gone, the demon possessed can't sit at his feet. The man whose daughter is dying or dead can't lay prostrate at his feet. The young woman who is seeking wisdom and word and knowledge and understanding can't sit at his feet. You are united with Jesus, and you are the one who is on earth. May I dare submit to you that they are now to be at our feet, learning and receiving from him so that they can be led to the cross and then take their seat right alongside us. You are the Jesus is here on earth. And that is God's will for your life. You're not supposed to be trying to point them to some arbitrary thing that they don't understand. You're supposed to say, come and sit down with me and let me tell you about a man that, that loves you. You're supposed to say, come in here and let me lay hands on you and show you the power of God. You're supposed to speak to that demon and tell it to go and it gotta go. You're supposed to tell that young lady or young man, be raised and they'll be raised. He said, greater works than what I did will you do. But you'll only be able to do this if you're at the seat. And in the seat, united with Jesus. Say this with me. Say, I'm taking a seat. I'm taking my seat. The seat is a greater position than the feet. The feet, I'm not taking anything away from that. But you have moved now beyond that. The feet was amazing. The feet was needed. But now you're no longer there. We were delivered at the feet, but now you function from the seat. You can't function from the feet. At the feet, there's no, everybody we just saw at the feet had no power. They had no understanding. They had no wisdom. That's why they had to come physically to Jesus. But now you have all wisdom because of the Holy Ghost being on the inside of you. You have all power. And that's because you inherited it because you inherited that seat. Go with me to Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna look at verse 16. I'll show you a couple of more things on this. And man, can I, can, my time is all gone already. Can I have like just three more minutes? All right, amen. Ephesians chapter one, verse 16. It says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. Paul is telling the church in Ephesus. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may do what? So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I grow in my knowledge of God through spiritual insight. Keep going. I pray that your hearts be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. His holy people are his rich and glorious what? Inheritance. We inherited all types of wonderful things from God. Keep going. 
Verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the, somebody say same, same mighty power. Keep going, y'all stay with me. Same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor. Where? At God's right hand. Sounds like that same place we just read about. In heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, this is where you seated at, by the way. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Verse 22, God has put how many things? How many things? All things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. 23. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. That place that's above principalities, that place that's above powers, that place that's above rulers, that place that's above all things is where you sit. You sit in the place of kings. You sit in a place of power and authority. It is time for us to be who we are. I'll close with this. There was a neat part in this movie uh, called Black Panther where he goes into this different realm and he meets his father uh, over there and his father was the king and T'Challa was uh, going through a process of figuring out who he was. And so he was used to coming to the king and the first thing you do to the king when you see the king is do what? You bow down, you kneel down. And the moment he comes to his dad and he kneels down, his dad says, stand up. You're a king. And kings don't kneel. You got to stop thinking that it's wrong to be who you are. You're a king. And while we understand that we have submitted and bowed ourselves to God and to Jesus, you now have to begin to walk with your head up in your place of authority. Stop bowing down to this image that doesn't equal Christ. Stop bowing down to this image that you are somehow lower than Jesus. You're not lower than Jesus. It says you're united with him. I said you're not lower than Jesus. You are united with him. See, what we do is we, we hear that with before the cross ears. I need you to hear that with after the cross ears. No, your blood was not good enough for this. No, you could not fulfill the law. That's what makes Jesus so great. But after the cross, he equalized you with him. And now you have all ability, all power, all might. Now you have everything. And like Angela Bassett told T'Challa, show them who you are. The world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. 
And it's time that we stand up and show them who we are. It's time that we go out into this world and show them who Jesus is on the inside of us. And not live another day beneath the privilege, beneath the power, beneath the position that has been gifted to us. You inherited a mighty seat. It's time that you start ruling from that seat. Amen? Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. Praise God. So you want to, I'm telling you, you want to make it back Sunday. We're going to go even deeper into this and we're going to talk about your partner in your seat who is the Holy Spirit. See, the good news is, is that Jesus didn't give us all this and leave us hanging. He didn't leave us alone. You have a partner in the Holy Ghost who is working with you just like he worked with Jesus to accomplish the will of God on earth. So before I start preaching that, let me shut up and we'll, we'll pick up there on Sunday. Amen. Just give God a hand clap of praise. Glory to God. Amen. Praise Jesus. Is anybody coming up here uh, tonight? All right. Um, well, uh, if you want to be a blessing with your giving, do that. <laughs> Amen. Uh, trust God in your giving on tonight. Uh, we're not giving out of necessity but we are given out of um, just obedience to whatever the Holy Spirit tells us to do. So if you're giving my text, you can do that. It's up on the screen. You're already blessed. But we love the fact that we are blessed to be a blessing and we can sow into the kingdom of God and see lives changed. Amen. Let's go ahead and take those offerings and raise them up. Father God, we thank and praise you that this seed that's going into the ground will bring a mighty harvest and we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise uh, because the seed has in it everything it needs to grow. So we declare your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ushers, you may serve the people if you're in this place and you want to receive salvation. Um, you're ready to take a seat. You're tired of working. Uh, and you're saying, today is my day that I am going to be seated in my place of authority. Then we want to invite you down to the front. Or maybe you are already saved and you are um, needing the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit up on you to partner with you to do all that God has designed for you to do. Uh, then we would like to invite you down to the front. And last but not least, if you'd like to join this church, we we are honored at the fact that we can be your pastors. Did y'all know that we love being y'all's pastors? Amen. We, we love being your pastors, Pastor Melissa and I, and we're honored at the fact that you would trust us with, uh, with your souls. Uh, amen, brother. Thank you for coming down. And at the same time, uh, we would like to open the doors up to, of the church to you. So uh, I've asked for three things, salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit or the joining church. If any of you would like to join our brother down to the front, then come on down here to the front. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand to, defeat, to your feet. Ask that person nearest to you if they need prayer for any one of those things. If they say yes, help them come on down. Till I
looking and said over. Amen. All right. <laughs> Let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. Amen. Stretch your hands to our brother who's down here. Father, we just thank and praise you for our brother. We thank you that he uh, is able to receive and maintain all that he came to get. We thank and praise you in the name of Jesus that his life will never be the same again for the choices that he's making on tonight. Uh, we thank you he's following your will. And as a result, he will get all that you have for him. Your good and pleasing and perfect will. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. If we agree with that, say amen. Amen. Well, brother, I want you to follow our dear sister out. She's just going to take about two or three minutes with you and get you everything that you need. Let's give God a hand clap of praise once again. All right. So we're looking forward to seeing you on Sunday right back in this place. And we're going to see what God does next. Amen. Let's raise our hands as we prepare to be dismissed. Father, we just receive everything from you. We receive our seat and we sit in it and we enjoy it, Lord. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. As we leave this place, we go full of and covered with and infused with your grace. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. You are dismissed.